0: To the Communion Podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Erin. And I'm Ramonita. Communion is all about relationships over religion, relationship with Christ, with ourselves, and with one another. And in a culture that seems so divisive, we're cultivating a community of truth seekers from all walks of life. So, whether
1: you have faith, no faith, or you have walked away from the church, you are welcome here. We are inviting guests to share personal stories, wrestle with questions, and rebuild bridges with those that may think differently, all in order to be reconciled with God, self, and others, as it is in heaven. So let's get started. Let the reconciliation begin.
0: I'm good, girlfriend. I'm
1: so good. I'm so excited. I'm, you know, moving on this high of like, we just launched season two and the response has been so great and people are loving it. The stories are powerful. I mean, so, so awesome. And just, it's incredible to watch God move when you're obedient. I
0: agreed. I agreed. I mean, I'm really proud of of my man, my man man, John, and sharing his story. And yeah, I would, I would say the same thing. Just the amount of people who have come back to him and said, Man, I really connected with your story. Thank you for sharing it. Thank you for your vulnerability. Thank you for reframing maybe how I how how I view a lot of different things that I've gone through in my life. Like, T, that's why we're doing communion. Like that's what this is all about. And so I feel so encouraged about the vision that we have in coming into season two and where we're going from here. So we have a really great topic to dive into that was inspired really by John's episode, right? Yeah. So
1: yesterday I got so many messages, so many texts, comments, DMs, all of these things. But one stood out to me in particular, Uh, one of my girlfriends had listened to the episode on her drive and she sent me the six minute audio message and I listened to it like with kids screaming in the background. But one of the questions that she had and what I really wanna dive into today is she talked about how she really resonated with grief. She was asking me or offered um, some perspective and said, I would love to hear what Aaron's perspective was supporting john through his grief and Mm. i was like wow that's interesting because i guess if you've never experienced before you don't really know how to support somebody close to you during grief and so e let's start there we talked about difficult losses and how john's turned them to worthy wins but i think grief is a bigger topic that we should address and so let's start there with how do you support somebody how did you support john when he was experiencing his season of grief following the, the passing of his father.
0: Yeah. Wow. Well, first of all, that's an incredible question and a ton of insight for that person to think that through because it is true. Like when you are walking through grief with someone deeply, it's not just them who are grieving, but it's you figuring out how to not just grieve. Maybe you were connected to the person. I was connected to this person. This was my father-in-law. I loved him. Very, very much. So, I have my own grief to deal with and to support and to walk alongside John and his grief. I, I mean, the first thing I would say is understanding that every single person has a different way that they grieve. John and I do not grieve the same way. I tend to be a person who grieves all at once, all in the beginning. It's like I feel the full throttle of emotions, it comes over me, it washes over me, and I am. In it. And you remember probably just as well, T, because we were still in Oregon when Casey passed away. And you remember just like I was deep in that grief. And in some ways, I think God's in His graciousness, like put John and I together. And it's a good thing, maybe, that we don't grieve in the same way because I needed some space to be able to grieve. Well, John's response to his dad's passing was a little bit more numb, um, like a little bit more going to let's get some stuff done mode. Let's let's plan this. What are we going to do with all this? Like kind of powering through it. And to be honest with you, um, right after John's dad passed away, that's when he had come to me. Hey, I think that we're supposed to move to Florida. That was really his decision. And that was a pretty crazy decision for him to make in the midst of his dad just passing away just a few weeks earlier than that. And I remember I was still in the shock of losing Casey and John's making that decision. And I kept waiting for John to grieve. like I kept waiting for that grief to come up. And I'm not saying grief has to look like boo-hoo crying all the time, but I think for him, it didn't really set in that Casey had passed away until probably the year anniversary of his death. And that's when I kind of saw that grief kind of come through. And walking through that with John a year later, I was so much more equipped to do that and to walk with him at that time because I had already processed and I had gone through those stages of grief. You know, our therapist says the mad sad cycle that we go through, we're angry, we're depressed, there's all these different cycles that we go through. And I had fully felt like I've gone through those cycles. And so then to walk through that with John, what that looked like was holding space for him to do that and not judging any of his emotion towards it. I think that's would be my greatest piece of advice in walking through grief with others, um, is allowing them to grieve. But also this is a key thing and and I'm sure we'll get into this at some point because we've John and I have had other grief that has happened to us as a couple. We've lost babies and all of that. And I think the greatest piece of advice that I was ever given about grief was that while you can grieve and have the space to grieve, you don't get to stay there. And it's not like judgment, but it's just the fact that sometimes when you're walking with someone in their grief, you have to kind of push them. Um, to not just stay there. Because when we fall into that cycle and we just stay in that one specific, let's say depressed state of that cycle, we're actually, we've actually stopped the cycle instead of moving forward. And so it's encouraging those people to take those steps that they need to take, whether that's going and speaking to a mental health therapist or that is um, having some silent retreat, that's doing some kind of memory thing if it's a person that they've lost, some kind of cycle where they don't ever stay in one cycle forever. So that would be my answer to that question. That's a great question.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I guess like it's so ironic. I know we always call ourselves soul sisters, but there's some spaces where we're so different. Like I'm probably more like John in the sense of I like just my grief is delayed. I don't. I try to numb it initially. Like what just needs to get done. I remember my, when my grandmother passed. And my grandmother is the matriarch of our family, and my mom had me young, so my grandma played a big maternal role in my life, and honestly, that was hard for me because I, in some ways, like a lot of times I am the strong one in the family or like I play a backbone role. I play a very central role in my family. And I feel like I just went into immediate like logistics and making sure everybody else was okay. For me, oftentimes I want to make sure that other people around me can experience their grief and there's somebody there that's not crying because it's really hard when everybody's crying and everybody's grieving. And so right. I try to play that initially in that situation. And I didn't really experience the grief until probably a year or two later. And it was different with my grandma because I could expect it to. And I processed some grief prior to her passing Because I could see some of the writing on the wall and I was able to have some peace with some things. But there were other things I still wrestled with in the grief of my grandma where like conversations that I wish I would have had. I was supposed to get on a plane to see her three days after she passed. Like I had had my flight scheduled to go see her and she passed right before I got there. And so like there were definitely some things I wrestled with, some things that I hadn't forgiven her for that I didn't even know I was still processing um, until I really just let myself feel. But it took me a while to really feel that. And my grandma was only my second bout of grief. Somebody somebody close to me, my first one was, I had a younger brother who was murdered and that one was a different type of grief for me. And, it, and the way I responded was in a different way. You know, he was shot and killed in New York City and it's still a cold case. It is still unsolved. And so there's never been like any closure or any justice brought to his passing, and he was only 21 years old at the time, so much life ahead of him. And that one I grieved very differently, but again, delayed. I think in that one, in my pain of losing him, I tried to find purpose of like, how could I keep his legacy alive by the way I live my life and that looked like helping young people through sport to stay alive. And I remember I poured so much of myself into my Nike world at that time of like, trying to help kids through sport and um and and when I left Nike seven years after his passing it hit me like a ton of bricks as if I had let him down or I was no longer keeping his legacy alive and I finally had like let that grief settle in and so sometimes it takes different forms and everybody grieves differently some people try to numb it some people try to avoid it some people just allow themselves to feel it but Grief takes on so many different forms that even in an individual, the way we grieve, grieve different types of death might look differently. So, yeah, yeah, I can resonate. Well, and I
0: think that. about, I think about that. T. I think about your brother. I think about your grandma. I mean, I know, um, with your grandma, you and I were friends, and I remember when your grandma passed away. But even in talking and and our sisterhood over the years of hearing about your grief over your brother, Kenny. Um, Lord, I just remember thinking, I don't know what I would do if that happened. Like I've told you before, like my greatest fear is something happening like to my family, like to my people. And so to walk through that like massive grief, I can't imagine. But there's another layer, as you know, of grief that comes on. And that's the grief that we experience when we feel like there's things that are left unsaid. One of my best friends. Her grandfather just passed away yesterday. And I remember her talking to me and telling me um, a couple nights ago on the phone when she thought that he was going to pass soon. She just said, you know, Aaron, there is so much still that is left unsaid with him and my dad, him and my aunt. There's, I mean, there are people who've never heard the words, I love you from them. And just that, just that reminder that that gives us of we don't know. I mean, just like John talked about in the episode, like we don't know when our time has come. Like life is so short and holding and harboring bitterness or choosing to not forgive people. Like that's a prison for us. And when and what if what if we don't get to say the things that we wish we would have always gotten to say to them? And you have those experiences where I'm sure they're there. Are, there are I love you's that you still wish that could have been said to your brother and, and to your grandma and so I think we have to recognize that piece too of why that urgency um, of just forgiving people and and moving towards them is so important because it makes the grief process a whole lot I don't want to say e- well yeah I would say easier like John would say with his dad there was nothing left unsaid that is such a gift to us like that is true like I could make cry but like that is such yeah. a gift that he really did feel like when he said bye to his dad that um, there was nothing unsa- like on the table and yeah. what a like beautiful way i mean that's what i hope like i hope that everyone feels like they can say everything to me and vice versa that there's nothing i leave on the table with people that i love
1: it, it's interesting you say that my my grandma has this rule and oh grandma thank you for this you know ironically uh she used to have this rule that like you don't go to bed mad and i never understood it I didn't, but she did. She used to. And every night when I would go to bed, I'd be like, okay, Granny, see you in the morning. Cause me and my grandma like lived together. Like we literally shared a bedroom together. And i be like, all right, Granny, yeah. I'm going to sleep. See you in the morning. And she'd be like, God willing, and the creek don't rise. Like she would say stuff like that to me about like, you know, that's like, that's- okay, yeah, maybe we'll see you in the morning. But she was always very nah. keen, like, make sure you say, I love you to the point where like, if you ever get off the phone with me, I probably am going to say, I love you. Sometimes the people I shouldn't be saying I love you to like the delivery man or the Uber Eats person, like it's really customer service people that I'll be mad at. Like I still will say I love you. And but it's like that was one of the things for her. And ironically, like when I got the phone call by my brother, it happened in the night and I got the phone call by my grandma. She passed in the night like and. I legit think Mm -hmm. about like what she would say, God willing, the creek don't rise. Like God willing, I see another day. God willing, I see you tomorrow. God willing. And so it definitely carries over into my other relationships of like making sure to your point that things don't go unsaid or no matter if I'm mad at you or not, because we can be mad. We can hold bitterness in our heart towards people and still love them. Honestly, I would argue that oftentimes when we are mad at somebody or when we need to forgive somebody's transgression it's oftentimes a person that has committed something against us that we that we actually love and we're mad at them or disappointed in them for their action but it does not mean that we don't love them you know and so yeah i'm i'm super thankful that she she left that with me and was like yeah make sure you tell
0: your people, you love them. I do think about the withness, like being with people in the midst of their grief and how that does propel relationships with others to a whole nother level. I can honestly say, I mentioned earlier, you know, John and I have lost three babies, and T, you walked through that with me, and my heart was broken. And I can honestly say, my friendships that I carried with me into each season of life are the people who showed up for me well in those seasons. It's showing up for people. And honestly, not even knowing what to say, like so many of my friends saying, I don't know what to say. I'm like, you don't have to say anything. I don't need you. Oh, this is a word. I don't need you to tell me that it was God's time for them. I don't need you to tell me that God has a purpose in everything he does. I don't need you. Don't say that crap, y'all don't say that crap to a woman who's just lost a baby. It is not what you say. Be with them. Show up. Go clean their house. Go bring them a meal. Go sit with them and say, you can cry. Do you want to cry? You want to talk? Do you want to laugh? Do you want to dance? What do you want to do? And asking them and walking and just being present. Presence with people is so, so important. And so I just think about that, that, that part of, Walking with people through grief, not only not judging where they're at, but actually being present with them in the midst of it. Because it can be awkward. Like, it can be awkward to go and sit with someone in the midst of their grief, especially if you don't understand that grief. But gosh, isn't that who God created us to be? To not feel alone and to be community to one another? And so, um,
1: yeah, that's I just mean, felt like it. I needed to see that it part. I, I, I sat... It's interesting you say that because I... A couple of years ago, I went to this TEDx conference in Portland and this woman literally gave a talk around miscarriage and she talked about, you know, how, how taboo it is and why people wow. say, don't tell anybody you're pregnant. So after the first trimester or things like that, totally. and she was like, but who wants to go through that alone? Like right. who wants to go through that grief alone? Who wants to? But so many of us don't know what to say or what to do in those circumstances. And I think- the hard part is sometimes grief requires silence. To your point, just presence, but silent presence to let them know yeah. I'm here if you need me. I'm here yeah. if you want me. I'm, I'm just here. I am here for you. Yeah. But I think there's a discomfort in silence sometimes.
0: Yeah, the silence is uncomfortable. But one thing that I have learned is once you've been through something, it's how God takes that something that you've walked through and uses it for some sort of silver lining of good. And I know for me, at least, when people lose babies, I'm the one they call now because they know that I've been there and that I've walked through that. I do think that that's the same as Jesus. I think Jesus has been there and he's walked through the hard stuff in our life. And I think that's where we get to be the Christ to other people. When someone loses a family member, you're a person that they call now. You're a person they're talking to. And so, yeah, yeah that it's, it's whether you've been through it or not, walk with people, be present with them. But if you have been through something hard, be that that hope and that beacon of light for those people. I think that's a whole nother subject that I think we should dive into. What about the relationships that we lose? That's a, There's a lot of grief in us grieving relationships. How, how have you experienced that? Having an, a conversation with another girlfriend, we
1: were talking and it was a conversation we've had in the past around, um, her feeling like she lost a friendship when a, well, another one of her friends was going through a divorce and yeah. that friend was experiencing grief because grief yeah. doesn't just have to happen when somebody passes grief oh, can yeah. happen when a loss of a relationship a, a transition a ending happens in our lives no matter what that looks like and we'll, we'll get more into this but but she was talking about how she didn't know how to support her friend her divorce, like maybe she should have, because she was grieving. But she yeah. and it, and it, sometimes grief looks ugly. Sometimes, yeah, it looks sporadic. It might mean moments of smiling at a picture and then wanting to burn that picture or burn everything for for that matter. And she talked about like how she lost this friend and. It was in losing that friend that she was able to empathize with what her friend went through yeah. through her divorce because she was like, oh, it's a breakup. It's a loss of a relationship. And she's like, I miss her and I grieve her, And now I can better empathize with what she was going through in her divorce. But I couldn't understand it when she was going through it. And yeah. it wasn't until I lost her that I could and man, that is hard losing friendships. Yeah. That, there's so much grief that comes with that. There's a, a different battle that we face when we lose somebody because of the passing, right? Right. That they're no longer here. And we might grieve things unspoken, like we said, or we might grieve not knowing if we'll see them again, or but what about when you know somebody's living and alive and there's opportunity yeah. to make more memories with them? There's opportunity to have more conversations, to see their face, to touch their hand, to hear their voice again. That is a hard grief. My One of my best friends, Kayla, of a long time, she always uh, talks to me about friendships and she's one of the best friends. She posted this thing on Facebook a while back and it was Issa Ray. You know, Issa Rae was producing Insecure and writing Insecure. And there's a lot of relational things that we walk through in life, especially between girlfriends. And Issa Rae was talking about this idea of like grieving somebody that's still alive. And I think about that often. It hurts to grieve a relationship with somebody that you know you can still have a relationship with. That could be a breakup. It could be a divorce. It could be a friendship. But it's really hard. And I think oftentimes we think of, you know, grief in terms of like breakups as like um, romantic relationships. Right. But what about friendships? Like people that fill our soul, people that we've walked through seasons with, people that we've built core memories with, people that have known us and understood us in seasons that. We've needed them. They've they played such a critical mm. role in our lives or they play critical roles to our families. They've played uh, roles to our children. Friends are just so um, critical for yeah. our growth and for who we are. And I can't lie to you. It is one of the hardest things for me to experience a friendship that may have outgrown its time. Absolutely. Or may the time to let go. And I think the things that often I wrestle with in those losses, if you will, is you can end up beating up yourself and questioning, yeah. like, why was I not good enough? There's a sense of rejection and abandonment that can happen. Or there's conviction, or I could have been a better friend, or I could have showed up better, or I could have been a better friend to this person. And I think there's a lot of self-reflection and healing that has to happen and we have to be really cautious that we don't project it on other people. I talked to my spiritual director, Miss Mary, about this and she sent me this really good interview um, with Lewis Howe and uh, Lisa Nichols. And Lisa Nichols talked about like there's three types of relationships in our lives. There's lifetime relationships. There's life-giving relationships. Those are kind of self-explanatory but she talked about purposeful relationships True. and she was like the hard part about purposeful means they had a purpose and it's fulfilled and that means it's right. time to move on and she was like those are the relationships we fight the hardest for we work the hardest to hold on to when we fight too hard or we try to overstay our welcome wow. like those relationships what? disappear and ironically i just saw Stephen furtick talking about something the other day on instagram and he was like The disappointment we feel with loss of relationships often can plant its seed as bitterness in our heart. And we need to be able to not allow those seeds of bitterness to sit in that loss so that we start to approach other relationships more cynical, more guarded. There is wisdom and we need to use discernment 1000% in the people we use in our lives. But we cannot allow broken or disappointed relationships to be the thing that guides and directs us on how we do any of our relationships moving forward and so i think the loss of friendships or or the loss of people living it could also manifest in divorce breakups etc are some of the hardest relationships to process because you know they're here and especially in a social media world you get to see them living their lives if you choose to still follow them and you it's a constant reminder that you are no longer in each other's lives
0: oh absolutely t yeah Everything that you just said. I mean, I would say to this point in my life, the hardest, most painful grief that I have ever experienced is not losing people that I love to death. It has been losing people that I love that are still alive, like losing friendships. And although I will say there, I don't, thankfully, gratefully, I don't have that many, but the few that I have. It is like still some of the deepest pain. I mean, I will dream about those people for 10, 15 years and, and I will go through my Rolodex in my head and go through all of the things that maybe I did wrong or what I could have done better. And then it switches to no, like they're vindictive or no, it's their fault. And and it's that cycle that plays out. And I, I will tell you this, that I remember early on, um, in my twenties, like a a pretty significant relational break between me and a a friend happened in my 20s. And I will remember, I will never forget my mentor at that time saying to me, like sometimes people are just for seasons or the the purposeful friendships that you just referred to. And I remember just being like, no, I reject that. Because in my brain, and I will say this is what I struggle with the most, if I love you, I love you for life. Like there is nothing to a fault to it. And, and I, maybe, maybe it's not a fault, but I think it's a fault because it keeps me sometimes in bondage where like, no matter how bad you hurt me, I stick with you. Um, and I love you and I long for that. And I can remember, I mean, that, that friendship, even that I'm talking about in my twenties, like there was reconciliation, but there, there continues to still be, um, boundaries, that I have set in that friendship because I don't want that person to hurt me again. And I've had to grieve not getting to be friends with that person the way I used to get to be friends with them because I'm, I have to have these boundaries so that I'm protected so that that doesn't happen again. And that can be really hard, but there are, I would agree with what my mentor said. There are relationships that are for seasons. Dr. Caroline Leaf, um, I follow her on instagram she always has like the best quotes you know about relationships but a, i a lot of what she talks about is the fact that sometimes relationships turn when they're turning toxic and they're altering who we are and we feel like we have to alter who we are in order to remain in a relationship with that person that is more than a warning sign that is a blaring siren to say that is a relationship we need to walk away from because and i will say i am not a chameleon but there have been a few relationships in my life where i've become a chameleon and because i was so desperate to keep them
1: Um, that i was willing
0: to go to any cost it was to keep them around i am still going through that with some of the few people in my life now even today um because i don't i so badly want that relationship to be whole and to be beautiful, but they're just not in that place for it to be there. And so I have to grieve that it's, maybe it's not, not ever, but for right now, it's not yet. And I have to just trust that. Or it's just that it's
1: different. Like just as humans, like we evolve, relationships do too, you know? And I think, People were probably like, wait, so you could just walk away from relationships? Y'all are talking about reconciliation with God, self, and others. Like, walking away isn't happening. And I think that there is, sometimes we do need boundaries. And sometimes we can walk away from situations or relationships that are not good for us. Yeah, That does not mean reconciliation does not happen. We can reconcile in our own hearts. We can come to peace. We can let go of the negativity and the bitterness, right? But I also think... There are relationships, like I said, they grow and evolve, but they also go through seasons. And some friends are friends where maybe the nature of our relationship changes in a season or one of us changes in a season. And yet our friendship still remains. And those friendships are special. The ones that can see you in different seasons. And be like, I'm still here. Our relationship might look different, but I'm still here. Like one of my best friends, and y'all going to hear from her in a couple weeks. Like she's seen me through all different types of seasons. She's seen me single, dating, brokenhearted, engaged, becoming a mom, married, professional, corporate woman, entrepreneur. She's seen me through a lot of seasons. And despite how I may show how i may have showed up in certain seasons or whatever like she's still my friend and there might have been some seasons where she's like i gotta take a little bit of a back seat right now because this season isn't super healthy a healthy version of you but yeah yeah god has been so graceful with that relationship particularly because i truly believe that that's somebody he put to walk this life with me to um allow us to always find our way again and so i don't think there's one answer of like how to do relationships or how to grieve or how to know when to cut somebody off or whatever, other than praying for discernment, praying for discernment of what boundaries need to be set, what the nature of the relationship is. Should you stay? Should you go? How do you forgive? How do you you move past things? All the things, um, you know, and I think of I think it's like, I don't know, I could be misquoting, but I think it's like Proverbs 17, 17, maybe. That might be iron sharpens iron. But I don't know. It's a, There's some proverb that says, uh, you know, like, um, like a friend sticks close, but a, a brother or a sister is born of adversity. And there is something about those relationships that can go through something. There's an intimacy yep. that develops that you grow a deeper friendship on the other side of it. Grief is interesting. It's not a one size fits all. It's right. not a... Black and white thing. It it, it yeah. definitely sits in the gray area, and I think that is where insert God, insert faith. Yeah. We should not be doing relationships outside of inviting God into them. And so, yeah, yeah. those are those are hard. Well, and
0: it is hard because I mean, we our our model of how to live and walk and breathe and do life is Jesus, and. If you look at the person of Jesus, like he, man, he spent time with the dude who sold him out. Like Judas straight up sold him out. Let him kiss him on the cheek, girl. Yeah. Girl, I don't want your kisses. You can keep that things. (laughs) Oh, I know. I would have said, take that stanky breath elsewhere. (laughs) But, but, you know, you have Judas. You have that example of, I'm sure even though Jesus knew what was about to come. I know that he was grieving the loss of that relationship, that this person who he just gave up his whole life, even for him to walk with, to show him what it looks like to love people, to 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 walk intimately in relationship with people. And then that guy goes and and trades him in. And then Peter that goes, turns around, watches all that happen, watches Judas sell Jesus out And then Peter turns around and and denies him three times. And Jesus is sitting right there. Like, I'm sure he's grieving the loss of those relationships. He just gave his whole life to teach these disciples how to walk and how to really live. And yet, those were the ones that he still thought of when he went to the cross.
1: But that's such a good example because that's a tale of two stories of different Um, opportunities to reconcile a friendship yes look at yes the forgiveness and the grace that he offers peter because peter knows peter mourns that friendship like oh my god i really just did not do like that you know and 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 there's so much grace there right and look at what peter goes on to like to be the rock of the like the foundation like changes his life literally it changes his life yeah it changes how he approaches relationships and it because of that Undeserved grace in that friendship. And then you got Judas. Totally different response. But I think it's so beautiful. Even Jesus shows us with his friends what it looks like in Mm -hmm. the grieving or the loss or the tension of a friendship. Yep. You know, that's that's good. Um, There's one last piece of grief I wanted to talk about. And this one's pretty raw to me right now. It's because of course, we're a podcast and we're all about reconciliation, but more importantly, relationship with God, self and others. It's the grief that sometimes we feel about ourselves or previous versions of ourselves. So one of my closest girlfriends, who's a phenomenal woman, hosted a retreat back in December. And it was for founders and freelancers and it was an amazing time. It was incredible fellowship. But at one point, I, it, we did it on the coast in Oregon. At one point, I just walked out the house and I just went and sat on the beach and sobbed and sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. And right. I couldn't really pinpoint it until a couple of weeks later as i sat with it and processed, like, what was I crying so heavily right. about in that moment? It was like, it was like as if I was grieving. I was, it, it was like the, like the type of, Cry that you would do at a funeral, like it yeah. was that I can't catch my breath. My nose is too stuffed for me to stiff. I am heaving, like, and I was like, "What is going on?" And I had a couple weeks to sit with it, and it wasn't until I was recapping that weekend and what it meant to me mean to you that I yeah. said, "Wow, E, I think I have been reflecting on the last couple of years, especially as I launched into, you know, entrepreneurship and, um." I and I've become a mom and I started to reflect on some things and the only thing I could say was I was grieving a previous version of me yeah I was grieving who I was pre-motherhood I had this incredible capacity I I was grinding I was a hustler like diva is the female version of a hustler like kind of like I. that was my that was my intro song if you Asked for intro music that announced me. Diva was a female version of a hustle. Like I, I was there. Like, and I took so much pride in what I did and my capacity yeah, and right. the fact that I could outwork most people. Like that was just what what it was. And it that season is different now. Like my capacity looks a lot different. And sometimes I'm like, whoo! This entrepreneurship is a slow build because my time is is spent differently now. And I was really grieving. I was really grieving. But I think for the past four years, my daughter's four. My oldest daughter. I, I think for the past four years, I was keeping the previous version of me on a ventilator. Yeah. And I was sitting at her bedside, if if we want to go here metaphorically, waiting for her to come back. And it's like, you know, like, yeah. it's done. Like, there, once the right. machines come off, there's no coming back. Like, it's done. And I yeah. think I was like, so hesitant to pull the plug to just say it's time to release her it's time to let her go home I think I kept just praying for a miracle like she would come back she would come back and I think in that moment on the beach I finally let the previous version of me go and it's not to say this current version or this current season is not greater better who I'm becoming I'm not loving but I could not fall in love with who I'm becoming or embrace or you know Um, Except who I'm becoming, because I was so busy trying to wait for the me of the past, the previous version of me to come back, and I just am like, wow, we can grieve season, you know? Yeah. And I'm and I'm and I know this is getting long winded, and I don't want to ramble too much, y'all. But I've been reading this Christine Kane devotional that my friend Deb um, recommended to me, and it's called "Don't Look Back," and she says. For the transitions we did not pray for, did not hope for, did not desire to ever happen, there needs to be a season of mourning first. What's more, it's important to keep in mind that mourning is for when anything dies, a dream, a hope, a plan, a goal, a relationship, an expectation. It's for when anything changes that we weren't ready for it to change. In all the transitions I've lived through, I've learned that just because something has died, God's promised plans and purposes for my life have not. In fact, they are still very much alive. I know there are times when life upends us and we have to accept that we don't what well, we don't want to accept. But I have found that if we can separate the circumstances we're facing from God's overall purpose for our lives, then we can have the hope we need to keep moving forward. That's so good. And I love That's that so good. because it really addresses like the seasons. We can grieve yep. previous versions of us, previous yep. seasons of our lives. And yep, man, those are hard. Yep.
0: Yeah. And I, I mean there's this quote that says, you know, grief is when we have all this love that we want to give and it has nowhere to go. And I think about that in relationships. I think about that also though in previous versions of ourselves, I mean, and you and I've talked a lot about that and to keep the episode short. Yes, hundred percent. I'm with you. When I left young life and I've talked about that all in season one, I had to grieve that that was an organization I thought I would be a part of for life. And my ending with it was so hard and so broken that it has kept me in a place of really having to grieve my connection to that organization. Um, I And I can talk about that in relationships and friends, but the grief that we experience in ourselves, grieving what you and I talk about all the time, having no capacity ceiling to having one kid and having a little bit of a ceiling to having three kids. Now I have a capacity ceiling and I don't even think it has to be kids. I think it can just be life and seasons and all of that. But having to grieve that, here's what I'll say. And I said it to you, and I'll say it to anyone listening. It doesn't mean just because we grieve the former season of our life, the former version of ourself, it doesn't mean we'll never be better. It doesn't mean that the next version of us won't be even greater. In fact, I would argue we will be greater if we submit to the process, to the journey, and knowing that just like grief is a journey and a process so is who we're becoming. And if we believe, if we truly believe that we are always becoming more and more who God says we are, then man, I can't wait telling me my eight-year-old self, she's going to be cool. I mean, I'm going to tell you straight up, at my funeral, I already have it planned out. And I send memes to my best friend, Jamie, all the time. I want all these videos played at my funeral of me acting like I'm still alive. Like, I bet you didn't expect to see me here. And then like, rat out everybody I mean I want to make people laugh like I can't wait to know the old version of myself because I believe and I'm choosing to believe I'm always becoming more and more who God called us to be and I think the same t- for you friends so uh,
1: this I been- okay. thank so you good. And, I, and I love like and we can wrap here of like this idea of grief is a journey and I think what we'll leave you with because you might have come here to get some answers of like how to grieve properly we don't got them other than the fact that grief's a journey and it looks different yeah. for everyone Yep. Some of the questions we may ask when we're grieving is, what do you do when you are mad at God? Yeah. Because grief can make us mad at God. How do you self-reflect when you are part of the problem in a broken relationship? What do you do when you lose somebody but don't feel like it's your fault? How do you reconcile with yourself and embrace new seasons while grieving old ones? These are some of the questions that we're seeking answers for And as we wrap this episode, we are going to be posting different resources, different topics. We really want to engage in the conversation. We want this community to come along with us to talk about that journey of grief. Where are you wrestling? How have you found resources, peace, answers along your grief journey? What can we share with one another to help us? Because it's inevitable. We will experience grief. Things will come to an end. How do we keep moving forward so we can embrace those new beginnings? And so
0: let the conversation continue. (laughs) Maybe these are questions, like you said, that we should be answering in this community over the next week. I don't think this has to be our only episode about grief. Maybe in a couple of months when we have a little bit more experience, we'll be able to talk about it too. But maybe these are some questions as a community we should all consider, like you said. Um, The one thing I want to see before we get off is, Go if you're not following us on Instagram, please come join the community. Um, you can find us on Instagram. It's at come.union. Um, and you can join in on these conversations that we want to have with the community. And then also wherever you're listening to this podcast, would you just hit the subscribe button at the end of this and even write us a review and a five stars? Um, because we want our podcast to continue to get out there, honestly, to invite more into this community because Topics like this and the stories that we're going to share are so important. And we really want to grow this community so that we know how to actually listen again and and reconcile with people that maybe we don't understand. So we're so glad you guys are here and listening to this. And yeah, let the reconciliation begin. Thanks so much for listening today. Want to stay up to date with our episode? then subscribe to our podcast and newsletter on our website, come-union.com. Follow us on Instagram at come.union. Rather watch our podcast, then subscribe to our YouTube channel at come underscore union. We are so glad you're a part of this community.